I kind of think the money needs to be simpler and agnostic to the content. And I think like may, maybe it's so fitting. Like I've always, I was, I was thinking of this tweet. My, my spirit animal is like toxic Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that, that's who I am on Twitter basically. And like, it's just kind of like you're returning to the fold, but that's, it's called, um, or just whatever it's right to get missionaries, not mercenaries. Right. And the mercenaries are the people that come in they grab, they grab that grant money. And they get the hell out of Dodge, right? Because and they get the hell out of Dodge, right? Because and they get the hell out of Dodge, right? Because they got their thing. They're not there for a mission. They're there for the money. Today we're here with Monad and Brett. We'll be discussing what we saw here. What um a balcony on like a Friday night crypto meetup, <laughs> and like near just like throwing money at you, like you know, trying to get you to to come to them. Of course, most of that dried up in in the bear market. And I, I I'll, I'll say something positive about Cardano. I think Cardano is has a chance to like run faster during bear markets because there's more like people who are in it ideologically and so when yep. the money dries up this is the time that cardano has an advantage but during the bull market when the bull market comes back on and all these e other ecosystems any idiot with a, a github can get money that's when cardano is actually disadvantaged because all these other people are opening up their purses so um, this is like the key time for Cardano to lock in some gains and, and get some like development traction and then that. Today we're here with Monad and Bread. We'll be discussing what we saw here in this thread that was brought up. And I'll cut some of this. <laughs> we're we're kind of moving in here. But it looks like Drop Captain discussed 70% of crypto has been compromised, uh, comprised of the same uh, layer ones for a while. Let's see if I can get a zoom in. 70% of crypto has been comprised of the same five layer ones for a while. And that's already got a long tail. It's Bitcoin and Ethereum's world right now, like it or not. And I don't think very many are poised to reach double digit dominance. Polkadot and or Cardano are still my. Uh, so that's kind of like the main theme here for this talk that we're doing today, where we're just going to be discussing kind of where are we going with these layer ones that are out there right now? Does Cardano stand a chance? What Monad's seeing, what Brett is seeing, and what Jay's seeing just in the eco and crypto overall. Yeah, before we even get into that, man, let's give uh, Brett and, and Monad a little bit of a uh, uh, quick 10, 20 second, you know, who are you and what's, what was your feel on this, on this whole thing? Yeah, so Brett, why don't you start off and then we'll sauce it over to the Unsig guy. Shout out to Sweet. Monad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh... So 10, 20 seconds. I'm just I'm a builder actually from another ecosystem. Uh, I have a marketplace over on VeChain, uh, and I would just consider myself a blockchain enthusiast. So I like to keep my eye on the general landscape across the board and see it develop. Yeah, I think Bread's the bad. Uh, he goes into tw like Twitter spaces, cross chain, getting in the fray, getting in the mix, having conversations all over the place, and uh, yeah, some of the VeChain content too. It's really interesting. Thanks for coming. Uh, Manad, obviously, welcome back. Um, yeah, so a little bit about you, a little bit about this thread, a little bit about where you are with this conversation, too. Yeah, so I, I started in Bitcoin, I think, in 2012, 2013. Um, I was mining back then. Uh, I mined tens of Bitcoins before FPGAs and ASICs were coming online. And it was like, this is stupid. Um, it's all going to centralize. And I thought it was going to be like Iceland, someplace cold where you could cool the <laughs> mining equipment and have like geothermal energy Antarctica, all went to China. And so I kind of, I sold my bag in 2014 or so and like left crypto trying to keep an eye on, is there anything doing proof of stake? Um, Cause at that point, like we thought proof of stake would be live in a year or two. Right. And it was like, I'll just wait a little bit. And it, 
I, I basically noped out of crypto for four or five years until I think 2018, 2019. So I missed the whole ETH ICO boom. Man down. Um, and I was uh, actually yeah. So that's a great point by uh, by, by Minod. Did I lose you uh, by Alex there? So going back to this thread, um, Brad, what was kind of like your take? Uh, getting into the lower part of this thread, and then we can kind of go around and hear everybody's take. Yeah, and uh, Monad's frozen for me. I don't know if that's the same for you guys, but going into your question, yeah, okay. I was just trying yeah. to, I just trying to flow gotcha. over it. You know, what I mean? <laughs> my bad. <laughs> totally awesome. ruined that. So I'll take the flow, and I'll just say, like, honestly, it becomes a debate of human psychology versus like. I think some of us are we're closer to the metal than uh, what all end users will eventually be, right? And we're trying to predict the future and what we think that future will be. And it's again, it's not necessarily what tech is best so much as it is where are people going to gravitate towards, right? And like what are they going to grab on to do that? Are they going to grab on to uh, each other? Are they going to grab on to narratives? Are they going to grab on to monetary gain? Like what, like what is ultimately going to be the dictator of where growth and where usage consolidates in the ecosystem? My, you know, as, as over the last, you know, I've been in since 2017. Um, I disappeared for a little bit, but came back pretty heavy whenever things started getting exciting again. And, I, I was a little bit of a purist thinking tech would win and you, you, you know, I think that's similar to you guys, right? You like, you think Cardano is going to be a dominant force and can be because it has some unique properties that will allow it to ascend in the, the greater scheme of things. But as I continue to watch, it's really hard for me to, to um, dispute the network effects that are gained from just like, they're already doing it. And that's, that's the EVM. That's just, you know, uh, Ethereum and the ecosystem being built around it in general, right? It's just like there's so much energy being poured into that thing, and there's so it's such a strong. It's referred to as the Peloton effect, right? You're the bike races. They they get in a Peloton, they gather, and like you don't have to do as much work because you're a part of this group. Like that, I mean, it's network effects, right? And I, as time goes on, I don't know that that is that's gonna lose out. So yeah. It and that's perfect because we got Manad back here. So in twenty, you know, uh, fourteen, after sort of letting the bags go, mm. and coming back to this conversation here with this thread, uh, back to you, Alex, because I think we oh, had yeah, a, yeah. We sorry, had a I, I, internet died. Um, so I, I was trying to learn Haskell because I thought like it made sense to do. Uh, a distributed, like an immutable distributed ledger and a purely functional programming language. And I started to see Cardano pop up in the Haskell subreddit. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then I was like really sad because it's like, oh, uh, somebody beat me to it. Um, but then I started looking into it. And it was obvious like, oh, IOG has much more like legitimate claims to do this kind of stuff with the resources they have and everything. And I got really happy thinking about what can we do on this kind of Thing, given that it exists and so i got i i kind of went you know balls deep into cardano and um ended up quitting my job in aiml development because of unsigs and everything else and uh have been like full-time in cardano for two or three years now i think um but i think last year i moved to lisbon and just started talking to crypto people in real life for the first time in my life even though i've been in the space for like a decade like i never talked to people other than like in Bitcoin talk or some other kind of forums. 
And it really changed my perspective on things because I just started talking to like a few people in Lisbon. There are a lot of like OG crypto people. And like one of them had like some, like the first futures platform on ETH, which had done like billions of dollars of transaction volume. And he was talking about, they released the same app on a, I think Arbitrum or some L2 rollup. And they couldn't get people, even though they had so many like incumbent users on ETH, nobody would move to Arbitrum with like one one hundredth of the fees. And it made me realize like, oh, like I think this came up in the thread, how sticky capital is and users are. And most dApps don't really need a specific blockchain, like a blockchain will do. And it, it's kind of the, made me kind of feel, you know, as Cardanians, we always kind of say first mover advantage doesn't really matter, right? Like better tech can win. But I think most of these problems kind of boil down to like, can you get enough liquidity or users into a protocol? And my observation is like, you can't really get normies to use crypto. Like it's really hard to onboard someone to get a wallet and to put money into crypto. So you're kind of having to sell or, you know, uh, develop a service for crypto people who already own crypto. And mm. kind of by default, that means ETH at this point. Like people would just look at me like I had a third eye whenever I said I was working on Cardano. And they'd just be like, what? Like, are you serious? Um, and it kind of grates on you after a while. You, you kind of start to get worn down and wonder like, Am I weird? Are they weird? Like, what's going on? But um... <laughs> so I put an of... asterisk. One yeah. asterisk. But yeah. you, you mentioned you mentioned liquidity and, and use it or capital. I would say like there's two categories that can fall into right. There's like actual pure capital or like sticky capital, as and then there's like extractive capital, right? You see it with a lot of these like airdrop farmers and like yield farming stuff that like crops up really quickly. You see it in these new ecosystems, and then as soon as the incentives are gone, just fucking drains, right? It's like, it's that first group that you need to like try to figure out how to get and then stay. So, so many people asked us, and, and most of this, just to put it out there, is like lessons learned from like the failure of Gucci um, to like get traction and everything. But so many people are like, what's the incentive to use the platform? And what they meant was like, where's my token drop or whatever? And I'm like, <laughs> the incentive is if you think JPEGs are going to zero, you can profit on the JPEG going to zero. Like that's the incentive. And if the, mm. the other incentive is if you're bullish, you can take money from people who think your JPEGs are going to zero. What could be sweeter than like watching people who fudder in your bags, like you're taking their money from them, right? Like that to me was the incentive. And I've said so many times, forget about what, what happened to Gucci, like these, these services need to like actually do something that makes you use them beyond the airdrop tokens you get, right? Because that's just funny money. That's monopoly money. And like Gucci is basically failed, but we didn't raise any money from anyone and we didn't sell any NFTs to anyone and we didn't do a token to anyone. So like... The fact that it failed, like, took no skin off anybody's oh, nose. Yeah. Right? That's... Like, we tested something, didn't work. We didn't get product market fit. We didn't, you know, the UX was shit, but we didn't want to be UX developers. And this is another maybe point for the Cardano community. Like, we, we, it's impossible to raise with other VCs in Cardano other than Charles and SeaWorld and, and that. Like, there, we thought because we proved that we could turn something on on Cardano, we could easily raise money because like, it seems like no one is able to ship anything on Cardano. And so 
we thought it'd be easy to raise, you know, half a million, a million dollars and go hire a UX person to do, you know, $20,000 of work and like make a decent UX because the rate limiting thing on Cardano is not front end development. It's like, can you write a smart contract and deploy it to the network? But because I'm not basically, you know, in with Charles, that money is gone and there's like no one else you can raise from. And because my co-founder didn't want to do like a token sale and, you know, had ethical qualifications, concerns about that. Like, okay, there's no way to really raise money. So we basically pivoted and are doing smart contract consulting, writing other people's smart contracts, using Gucci as an example that, oh, we know how to write smart contracts on Cardano. And we've pivoted where Gucci is basically a demo now. And we've got a couple hundred thousand dollars in smart contract development, you know, client work for other people. But it's a, it's a weird place where, you know, you, you got to figure out how to make the money work and, and where is the money coming from and all this other kind of. It's a valuable, uh, like, pivot because you just turned all that work from Gucci into a demo, but you're still actually having a valuable product, um, which is in demand. Brett, what's your take on this? Because, you know, when it does come to... Uh, raising money and things of that nature and hearing a little bit about Manad's take on the uh, Cardano ecosystem. What's your take on raising money, capital, outside in? You're in a different ecosystem too. So it might be cool mm -hmm. to get your perspective on that. Uh, yeah, honestly, like it, our environment would be identical. Like there's, we built everything that we've done, just, you know, spare time on our own backs, paying our own stuff and, and hoping that uh, any fees accrued from the platform would be enough to pay for just, standing up the infrastructure or stuff like that. Um, I, uh, yeah, per, to be perfectly honest, I don't know how you get, get inroads into those cap tables, right? To, to sit down with a bunch of people and say, hey, I have a product. And uh, like, it's something that you see a lot. Like, it's almost like the unicorn in the space. You hear of all these people getting all this BC money, going out and doing all this stuff. But uh, there's a lot of networking that has to take place, I'm, I'm presuming, to to get to that point, right? You just have to know the right people. Monad referenced, like, being, being uh, elbow to elbow with with Charles himself with his get you that inroad and I don't even have that kind of person on um on V chain and then seeing just my own things that are like within reach across yeah, ecosystems. No -chain, right? There's not really is there a champion yeah. of there is there, there is but it's like it's um it's Sunny Lou and they run they run the V chain foundation. So like all that stuff exists but uh, I would say the most typical inroads I see are like you see a lot of grant farmers across ecosystems where like I've seen several teams that create a protocol that they can easily deploy on several chains and they'll literally go to all the different ecosystems that are giving out a small sum like 10, 20, 30, maybe even up to $50,000 for like these things to come and they just throw it on each one of these chains. Uh, XP Network is an NFT bridge. I see they no joke have probably about 35 different grant applications because you can usually see a lot of them on GitHub where they go and like they'll fork off their repo. They'll say, this is for the, the Aptos grant. This is for the VeChain grant. This is for the whatever. And they just go and they farm all these different endpoints and try to sustain themselves that way. That, that we saw a little bit of that with the Near Foundation here, where yep. like Near was just throwing money around and they moved from Ukraine to Lisbon. Um, so I, I, it's hard for me to tell what is, do you guys hear about Near at all? Yeah. I like back in the day, but Brad, your, your take is probably a little bit more you know, I, I have no clue what they are, why they are. I, I, I think I get a lot of their targeted advertisements because I'm in Lisbon or something. Uh, mm. I'm not shilling them at all. I've done nothing with them. But it it seemed like th th it was part of the thing that made me start to wonder about Cardano a bit was like the difficulty it, it, it there is to get funding in the Cardano ecosystem. 
versus like you show up at like um a balcony on like a friday night crypto meetup <laughs> and like near just like throwing money at you like you know trying to get you to to come to them of course most of that dried up in in the bear market and i i I'll, I'll say something positive about Cardano. I think Cardano is has a chance to like run faster during bear markets because there's more like people who are in it ideologically. And so when yep. the money dries up, this is the time that Cardano has an advantage. But during the bull market, when the bull market comes back on and all these e other ecosystems, any idiot with a, a GitHub can get money, that's when Cardano is actually disadvantaged because all these other people are opening up their purses. So... Um, this is like the key time for Cardano to lock in some gains and, and get some like development traction and then that. There's a saying I like for that when it's, it's called, um, or just whatever it's right to get missionaries, not mercenaries. Right. And the mercenaries are the people that come in they grab, they grab that grant money and they get the hell out of Dodge. Right. Because they got their thing. They're not there for a mission. They're there for the money. And I would I would say Cardano does have a lot of missionaries. They have people that believe in some some vision on some level, and that's what makes them sticky. That's why they've been around. That's why they are hovering in the top ten always, right? They've they've never really gotten outside of that once they've been there. It's because you have a lot of people that are true believers in the vision of Charles and and everything else. Whether or not that's all accurate will play out. Who the fuck knows? But they're there for that reason, right? Yeah, at ETH Denver, somebody was coming up saying like a saying like, "Do you want to be well funded or do you want to build for users?" Like, <laughs> like it's like is that what you're doing like yeah like gucci you were here building and you're like hey we're gonna build these because we think people will actually use this um and do it but there was no product market fit right but like if you would have went to another chain and just got funding right away like hey we're gonna build stuff and they just give you money and you build it you might feel better but you wanted to build for them which is great right <laughs> like that's what we want mm -hmm. is builders that want to build for their, like these users that they've become friends with that they like love uh, at, no, the, at the same time, like there's there's some kind of calculus in our head. Like if we had launched Gucci in the Ethereum ecosystem, right? Like part of me thinks that I don't know that Gucci even really failed. Like when I look back at it, like we had 100 to 200 users at when we launched and we thought that was like a failure. But then we see these other numbers that like top dApps have tens of users. It's like, oh, like that's what success looks like on Cardano. And that's what made me so bearish is that like yeah. Gucci didn't really fail, but for us coming from like normal software world, like it's not worth keeping the lights on for a hundred people. And, and like, it was more of like a fail fast and pivot, you know, like, okay, what did we do? You know, the, the smart contract for Gucci took us a week or two to write. And so we were like, we're good at writing smart contracts. How can we, it's kind of like Slack or any of these other startups, right? They, they have some kind of other valuable thing that they develop or do. So we got state machines working on Cardano and then we started selling, you know, we can write your state machine in Cardano to other people. Um, and that kind of worked out for us. What, what are we looking at here? Is this users or? Actually you brought up, yeah, the DAP radar and it's unique active users. So like with number yeah. one, we got like JPEG store, which is obviously NFTs. There's a lot of crazy action that happens with nfts and different wallets but then when you as soon as you drop to number two 381 like unique active wallet like the last this is the last 24 hours um, yeah. and then as soon as you get to number six we're at cardano lands the 72 <laughs> which is like cardano lands is just where you stake an nft and you earn tokens yeah so i mean by this number like gucci when we launched was the number six dap on cardano i maybe higher yeah. because at the time <laughs> right. i don't know that there was other stuff right and so um 
this is this is really sobering. And then the other thing that got me really worried, like Jed, like the flagship <laughs> stablecoin of Cardano, has something like a thousand wallets with. I don't know what the yeah. number is for like USDT or or USDC, but you know, like you can't work on something for like half a decade almost. How how many years was Jed worked on and hyped and talked about? And then like a thousand wallets. I'm sorry. It's just like, it's, it's not a significant thing. You can't really talk seriously about it. You made me and go I know, look I know up our numbers. 86, small. 86 unique active wallets. On, on <laughs> Wi-Fi? No, on, on our marketplace, on the app radar. 86 is our number. <laughs> Running for a year. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, Jay, you're, you're on mute, Jay. Oh, I was just saying, that's pretty competitive these days, Brent. So, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. on VJ, we're number one. <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> part of it's bear market things, to be clear, like I'll, I'll yeah, argue with myself, like things will go get better, but it's, it is kind of, um, well, it's the balance of you quit. This is your job too. Right. So like, mm -hmm. there's the balance of like, you want, you want this to be your thing. So you need users being a builder. So like now, like you were talking earlier, there's that calculus in your head of like, I want to do this thing. The only thing that's not allowing me to do this thing is the other side of this thing. And the answer is right over there. And like that appeal is always there for builders of like, okay, now I have to make a decision, right? Do I, how, how much do I feel like I need to devote myself to this one ecosystem for my vision, my belief, whatever, like, okay, do I think me leaving this ecosystem will doom it? Yes. No. Like I can still survive over here and I can, I can take on my role that I want to fulfill. This ecosystem will survive, it will grow, and now both of us have our thing, even though the ideal world is me being able to build here, right? So like Yeah, I mean part of it is that I, I don't I don't necessarily like VC funding. I know Cardano people have like a, an issue with mm -hmm. it a lot of the time and, and like I we kind of designed Gucci that it needs thirty dollars a month to run, right? And so we we thought we could bootstrap it and we thought Gucci would be in the black from day one. And we, we didn't need to um, get raised VC money. But what, what those numbers that you just had up kind of show is that like, it's not really possible to bootstrap something on Cardano right now. Like you cannot get enough value from 300 users that you can sustainably develop something as complex as a Cardano DAP. Like it, maybe, maybe if you're doing some solidity ETH thing, 300 wallets interacting with you, is enough to generate enough fees to Can I make, make a it quick point there, Renaud? Yeah. Because like for me, the uh, other kind of distinction here is a lot of the people that I talk to that are the community or inside like Web3 right now are actually investors to, or builders, I guess. But the investor group are also the users. And I think, you know, that's the big problem because right now you have interest in this space because it's new and where it is, you know. But I think uh, like actual uh, you know, users being the actual investors is a big problem. I think uh, we talk about this a lot. I think we've talked about it before, but when we have products that users don't even know are using blockchain, do you guys think that like this is going to be like a far more important point than when the people that are funding stuff in the ecosystem are also the 30 or 100 or 200 users of all the dApps and product? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm are you trying to see like start say users then that aren't knowingly being users would well, be investors? Like, like um users blockchain. that don't know 
like I, I, the example I often give is like electricity. Like most people don't really know the difference between 230 and 110 volt. Probably they know like what's in their country maybe. But in Japan, they have, they have two different electrical grids. One's on 50 hertz and the other's on 60 hertz. And like most people don't know about electricity. They just plug it in the wall, right? And like it works. Mm. And uh, if, you, if you build a mining rig, you might trip your breaker or something and you have to go turn it back on. But I think, I, I, is that what you mean, Jay? Like people aren't yeah. going to realize this is backed by a blockchain. They're just going to be like buying things and sending things. And I think on like, the programmability like products being built from the blockchain. I, I think so. You know, I think uh, there's other use cases that you're just going to know it's blockchain because, you know, it's, it's not the banking system. It's not the normal supply chain for, I guess, you know, maybe things that VeChain are doing and Bitcoin are doing, but for programmability and dApps and blockchain being integrated, I think about, okay, if anybody actually does build a, like a AAA game and like links up with blockchain, I don't think they're going to be selling blockchain on their title. I think it's just going to be like very low key using a blockchain, but the users won't know. And I think a lot of products will be like that. But yeah, I was curious what you guys think. Do you agree, disagree, kind of see it the same way, kind of see it differently? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an inevitable inevitability, right? I mean, it's like, like Monad was saying, it's going to be obfuscated away to where it's just you have this thing. It's a digital object. Maybe you have some level of ownership to it. Like I think that'll be the distinct factor where people can say, like, "Oh, I know this is mine." So they they'll know blockchain is involved in some level, but it's like it's not something that that necessarily will be a selling point. The example but, I can give is like there's this insurance protocol that I've been kicking around for a couple of years in my head is like um, something called parametric insurance. Like normally when you have an insurance, it's against your house or your car. Like if that thing gets damaged, you get a payout. Right. And that's really not compatible with blockchains because like sending some out to verify that that thing happened is kind of a pain in the ass. And so I've been thinking like, um, earthquakes are kind of like a nice thing in some ways because very simple data representation, latitude, longitude, intensity, timestamp. Like it'd be pretty easy to make an Oracle network that could just like look at earthquakes and you could make uh, basically policies that kind of act like prediction market. And wh where this starts to get at is like for that to work, you need some amount of like liquidity in the protocol. And, and like that liquidity just isn't there in Cardano right now. And what I realize, it's not a technical problem. Like I want to solve this problem of doing earthquakes on a blockchain. I need to do it on a blockchain that there's enough money in it that when you start to use it, like there can be significant transaction kind of volume. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it really doesn't matter what blockchain it's on. And that's weird for me because like I, to be clear, even today, like 99% of my net worth is in ADA. So I'm, I'm talking this, but my like objective reality is saying this. Um, it's like a really weird place to be in. But all I'm saying is like, when I talk to these ETH people or Polygon or whoever in, in Lisbon nowadays, they're like, yeah, unless you have a damn good reason not to go on ETH, you should build your thing on ETH. Because like, e even if you're a Cardano person, like you test out the viability of your idea on ETH, and then maybe you migrate over to the, the chain you're wanting to, to build on. But if you want to see like, is this thing actually going to work and be able to get users and be able to sustain itself there's like really no reason not to do it on ETH. Mm. Uh, and then and then yeah it's again mo most things are not technical problems like we're not at the point with with any of cardano's like tens of users dApps like all of those could be deployed to eth like gas fees wouldn't matter 
all these things wouldn't matter. You could like see, is this a, is there a, a valuable, a meaningful value proposition for this product or service? And then if there is, then, then figure out where you want to deploy it to great. So I think that was one, a tweet I had brought up recently. If you look at a lot of our products that we have on Cardano right now, it's like, we just tried to make a Uniswap, tried to make an Aave, or we just tried to make this and that. Like if they just went and tried to build the same thing on Ethereum, that main thing is already there. So yeah. like, what's this new value that they're, besides well, like we built it for Cardano. That That's what I, I really don't get. Like a year or two ago when Unsigs was coming out, I thought Cardano was going to have like a unique NFT because Cardano, Cardano people are so like weird and kooky compared to like normal blockchain people. So I thought like we were going to have like this like snobby art society, academic kind of whatever thing. And then it's just like turned out to be like, we can't even make like PFPs, like our own PFPs. It's like we take like we scrape the <laughs> shit off the bottom of the shoe of the other chains. Like we remix it and reheat it a bit and like slap a new sticker mm -hmm. on it. It's like this is not if if like you, you have a, some some nice stuff behind you, subcritical, but like like. <laughs> It's so off brand with the way Cardano was positioned and marketed as like world changing new, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the best thing we can do is like copy and paste other people's JPEGs, whether or not they're literally traced is besides the point. Like <laughs> yeah. at, at, as far as like business models go, like they're, they totally just take, you know, oh, it's a mutant. Oh, it's a metaverse. Oh, it's a, like, it's all just copied and pasted over from the innovation that happens on ETH. And then like reheated and remixed over here, whatever the meta is, right? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember, like we're not, it's not, nothing's a monolith, right? So like you, you do have, even though the bulk of the people may, may fulfill that, that vision that you had, like, there's going to be a subset that are just like, they don't care about all that stuff. Right. So you could like board API club. Now you guys just had it on, on Cardano. I know I just saw it also minted on Bitcoin. Like it's bite perfect is how they're selling it. Bite perfect apes on bitcoin and like i know it's on every other major chain it's just it's the first thing i think gravitates towards so that's just the it goes back to the humans being humans thing right we're, we're, we're all sitting here looking for these idealistic like outcomes but it's humans are humans and there's so many of us operating in that gray zone it's a representative sample of humanity right like cardano is not really any different or or i assume by chain yeah. or whatever we're all <laughs> does come down to that <laughs> So, so let me ask you guys this, and then we'll kind of start to uh, sort of wrap up here. But Brett, um, mm. the, the, the interesting thing about, we don't get to talk a lot, a lot about VeChain. So yeah, I'd love to get into, you know, VeChain, just uh, what drew you to it? Like what, you know, major differences you see from like what VeChain is trying to do with the supply chain and broad overview. And then Manad, you know, uh, what's great about having Alex here is in crypto, I find a lot of people that just freaking hop onto a coin and just like, you know, uh, praise it and they'll, they'll never question it and they'll just kind of do their thing. I like Alex cause he's objective and real and you know, I love Cardano. So I think my question to him will be, uh, for the final kind of wrap up here is, you know, what other critical takes he has of Cardano and Alex, you can kind of think about that. But Brad, you know, if you could kind of educate our audience a little bit on VeChain and, you know, a little bit of your story too, that'd be really great. So, you know, like the, this, this dovetails really nicely into what the overall conversation of this stuff is, because I, one, kind of, I serve the role of Monad in our ecosystem where I'm the critical voice trying to make sure that people are taking that objective look. I, no, yeah. man, I, I'm I, the bread of Cardano. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted. You're not. Oh, yeah. 
Chicago. Oh, you, okay. You're the king, bread. Okay. He's the bread. Okay. I got it. My bad. Well, like I, I have a lot of these takes because I've been thinking about the same way with our stuff and having these very real conversations with people and like trying to like trying to to step outside of myself and look at all this stuff and the how I rooted in V Chain initially was it's all Ethereum. Ethereum was its thing and. VeChain was spun off as like a Ethereum's model clearly won't work, not with the high fees, not with like in a business sense, like you, you can't have unpredictable costs. You can't have like maybe even crypto on your wallet. So like there's some unique properties in VeChain that, that latched onto the Peloton, right? It was still EVM. It was a clone of Ethereum. So it could, it could grab on some of the development work, but it had some unique twists that allowed it to be applied to business. And that was my like, okay, the differentiator, whatever, we're going to be over here in our bubble still attached to this for business cases, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm stepping back and I'm looking and seeing the growth of Ethereum over this time and saying like, like none of that stuff is ultimately going to matter, right? Long-term where like, you know, the network effects of Ethereum are growing and they're doing, they're, they're slowly going to engulf basically every functional thing that you want between all these L2s that are spinning up on top of it network effects that are there, the capital that is there, right? We just talked about me having 86 unique users on our marketplace. And then, you know, whenever you start stacking up numbers in the, the hundreds of thousands to millions, when it comes to actual capital flowing around in Ethereum, like you're right, that's just, that's so sticky. Like you, you it's impossible to get someone off of that. And then the question becomes, and this extends to Cardano, it's why X, right? Why would I ever go to X over Ethereum? Right. Ethereum has all of these people, has all of this capital, all of this development work. What is the differentiator that you can pitch to anyone, whether it's an enterprise, a user or whatever, that would make you leave and go to your thing? Like what makes you unique enough? Some have programming languages, some have fee structures, some have whatever. Um, I, I've deviated from your question, but like VeChain was built for business, but I'm I'm playing the role of uh, the, the skeptic yep. over here now. Mm. So our bread obviously on Cardano um, is also, you know, has some good takes here. So why don't we go to the bread of Cardano? Uh, uh, so I guess C bread, uh, what, what kind <laughs> of crystal takes uh, have you had lately? Because uh, yeah, we'll just kind of get into some of your most or whichever ones you want to talk about, because I think they're worth talking about. I think, I mean, the governance thing, I, I basically, this all started or started to become like uh critical damage to me around the contingent staking time. Um, and I know probably various people on the panel have different takes on contingent staking, and I haven't really participated in any of the governance stuff. It's just observing it has continued to make me more bearish because like, it's just like, what? There's no way this is going to work. Like, you're not going to get the cats to agree. Um, and that's even without me, like stirring the pot in the governance thing, right? Like one of the active pot stirrers, like, it's just so... I've started to think that like metadata at all, like is a attack vector on a blockchain. And maybe the the idea of Bitcoin as like a way to process payments across and like not know what it, of course, Bitcoin also has metadata. That's how ordinals are made and stuff like that. But I, th I think people should be able to use, the whole point of crypto to me is that two parties can interact with each other without a third party like meddling. And what I realized mm -hmm. is if you can put any kind of payload attached to the transaction, that becomes like a selectable flag to say, Unless you include this information that I want to see, like are you KYC'd, I'm not going to include your transaction. And if you, or conversely, if you don't include something or you do include, then I, that becomes a filter. So it really, the, the, the pipes shouldn't be able to know what's flowing through them. They should just 
it's, it's, it comes back to like net neutrality type arguments, right? Like the pipe should fucking carry the content to the user and people in the middle shouldn't touch or tamper with it. And that's what the whole contingent staking thing kind of triggered for me was like, no, like if you're operating base level infrastructure in a global system, it doesn't matter what you think. You are one fucking node and your job is to put transactions in the blockchain when they, when they mm -hmm. need to occur. Because the way blockchains work is they're sequential, right? So if I'm like a US stake pool operator, I'm not. Like it's insane to me that a world financial operating system would have to like wait till a block from a non-US operator came on for like non-US, non-OFAC compliant transactions to hit the chain. Like that's dumb as fuck. I'm sorry. Like it doesn't make sense because a, a thing, of course, people say, oh, you can change to a different stake pool operator. But for any one, you know, 20 second time window, a single stake pool operator has a thing. And so you're going to get these backlogs and, and all this other kind of stuff. That's one. Second thing, my biggest kind of take right now is I think we're all interested in decentralization, right? Like that's the, the main kind of thing that we talk about. And what I've started to realize is like, you've probably seen like a tweet or two, like all of us blockchain bros, like we're kind of trying to build web three on top of like web two's version of Stripe. Like Stripe is a very important payment processor in web two, but nobody like tried to build everything on top of Stripe. Like you built something and then you resolve transactions with Stripe. And I think, you know, the, I'm not really into it so far, but this whole Urbit thing has been pretty interesting because what it reimagines is like without a blockchain, how do you have peer-to-peer -peer decentralized applications? And by the way, if you need to settle a transaction, use Bitcoin, use Ethereum, use Cardano, use whatever thing you want to do, transact and pay for your service. But so many things don't need a shared global state to operate right like you can do a lot of interesting peer-to-peer -peer stuff um and that's kind of made me think that that stripe analogy has been pretty powerful for me like obviously you don't build like a global economy or or valuable services on top of like the visa network you, know, you use the visa network or you you, knew, you use stripe mm. but i think it's a little bit weird to try to even imagine like why would you you why would you do that like it makes no sense from a like a first principles perspective like computation like turing complete computation is a, is a valuable resource you run a bunch of apps on your computer they do good things for you this riverside thing we're using right now photoshop premiere creative suite all these things don't need blockchains to be interesting right and it's kind of weird to me that you know it, Economic transactions or sending and receiving of value that occurs on all these things, but not everything is built on top of that. It is, it's usually like a linchpin, like pay this and then get access to this thing. But kind of goes back to Jay's point of um, users versus investors. Like we're all kind of investors in these protocols and we all like mm -hmm. need them. We need a narrative to believe like why they're going to be this world changing thing that was going to take over. But I mean, computers work pretty well sans blockchains, right? And, and using Visa or whatever. I remember reading, sorry, I'm rambling. There's an Amazon Bezos story, like a guy in Turkey bought a book, a bunch of books from Amazon in the early days. And he sent in cash because there was, there was no credit card payment processing or, or something like that early on. And he put like hid cash in a floppy drive and sent it to the US and they opened it in the garage and they sent him back his books. Like internet worked even with like ACH bank transfers, cash resolving bank, you know, uh, mm. payment systems. 
I used eBay way back in the day before PayPal existed. PayPal used yep. to be separate from eBay, right? Like payments are a critical thing. Mail from eBay, but not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, I'm not, I shit you not, man. Like I have like a 15-year-old, 20-year-old eBay account that I use for reputation mm-hmm. online to show that like I bought and sold stuff. But I think I think there's some kind of rationalization. What do blockchains do well? Prevent double spend attacks. Like if I send you money, I, I you know, I've sent mm-hmm. it, right? And I kind of think the money needs to be simpler and agnostic to the content. And I think like may- maybe it's so fitting. Like I've always, I was, I was thinking of this tweet. My, my spirit animal is like toxic Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that, that's who I am on Twitter basically. And like, it's just kind of like a returning to the fold, but seeing all this stuff, seeing everything going on, it's like, I think a simpler solution in a lot of ways can be better. And so I don't, I don't know that, a smart contract platform is really it. Cause I think a lot of computation can be done and a lot of problems can be solved just doing useful work for people and then being paid for it. Right. And sorry. I think that, I, mean, I, think that <laughs> well, no, I think that last bit really ties in really well. Like, cause you hear people trying to build stuff with the blockchain, right? You, there's two common things. It's one, we got to get people from web two to web three, but then also like what Mona was just referring to where like everyone's you're trying to do blockchain first stuff. And like, if you're building a product for Web2 people, you shouldn't do blockchain first. You should fulfill a need and then say blockchain is the best suited for this. And the the flip side of that, like the way people are building products here is stuff like, oh, we did this thing. Now my JPEG can change from A to B or it can mutate or whatever. And then like I can sell that to a normal person. But that facilitates no needs whatsoever for a normal human. Like that's that's a Web3 thing that people in web three are interested in but if you're trying to pitch that product to web two people and like it just it falls flat so like people are always thinking about it from that direction as opposed to what monet was just referring to we're just like yeah you should solve a need and then say oh blockchain is the puzzle piece that fits in here as opposed to what what hole can i put this blockchain into and yeah that's a little backwards and then before i forget about it uh monet you might be interested to hear uh, talking about the metadata associated to transactions. I know that obviously with OFAC compliance, having that issue on ETH, um, the next step there, and I don't know if it's the same for, for Cardano, is the mempool, right? You pull the transaction out of the mempool and you order or decide to pick things out based on that metadata, right? Is it or is it not OFAC compliant? Um, that The next step there is to encrypt that, right? So that people now don't know what they're picking out and they can provably say, I don't know what I'm picking out. I don't have a choice. I just got to pick out the most appropriate thing and then that allows for for those things that contain metadata but also not be censored to a degree yeah i mean my my the the other piece of this puzzle is i think when i first got into crypto banking systems were antiquated and shit right but i well yes and no like i i lived in india from 2016 to 2019 there's a free payment system that resolves within seconds that's true uh Hmm. this it's called upi um, anyone mm. with a phone number can send money to anyone else with a phone number free to the users. Um, the government pays something like three cents per transaction for it to happen, but they're interested in doing that because they want a monitored network. Cause like, you know, 40% of the Indian economy is black. It's like under the table cash transactions, which no one pays tax revenue on. So their mm. incentive is to get people above board and then they can say, Hey, you're sending all this money. How come you're not declaring any income on your taxes? Right. And, and when yep. I tweeted that out a few months ago, everyone basically said like Brazil has the same thing and Switzerland has the same thing in Sweden. Like all these countries now have these in, in Portugal, it's called MB way. 
it's again, it's free to send anyone any amount of money. It resolves in seconds. It uses the SMS based kind of thing. And my whole point is like blockchains can't really compete with that because blockchains have to charge users mm. and governments don't want to charge users because they just want to get this into the light, right? That they can observe. And so really my, the, the only thing that I think blockchains have an avenue left to do is privacy first, like autonomy, like cash is being deleted right now. Like, I, I don't think my kids will really experience using cash bills. I have a 14-year-old to a two-year-old, right? Well, um, $2 bills just get more and more valuable then? All, all I think, no, all paper money is going away because cash allows you to be somewhat anonymous, somewhat, you know, like, right? Like The $2 bill, though, it's, a, it's like a collector's item. I got those. Oh, yeah. My my theory is your one dollar bill, your five, your ten, your fifties, and your hundred, your twenties. All that shit is gonna be a relic because the government doesn't like that you can pay for things and they don't know about it. And so I think it's like part of this whole CS drama and governance. Like I think it's really naive for Cardano to think that they're gonna onboard governments to this system. Like no, governments are gonna. They have FedPay now launching in the States. Yep. Governments are going to launch now. their own fucking systems and they're not going to go for your things that unless unless you change so completely that it's like they have control, they're not going to integrate you into their thing. And so what I see the bullish case for crypto being is some people who are on the cusp who remember having cash and being able to pay someone $100 without the government knowing those set of people are likely to run to crypto for some way to preserve autonomy of action. But it's not going to be a lot of people. It's going to be a small fraction. And as more and more people lose their rights, some people will start to like feel that they're being boiled as that frog. But most people are mm -hmm. just going to be boiled. And <laughs> be like, oh, FedPay is <laughs> easy to use. I can send him a bunch of money. But you guys were, I think you're all in the States. You know that like that Venmo $600 bullshit? Yeah. That's that's no, gonna be turned up or down. Yeah, yeah. Like it's gonna be five hundred. It's gonna be three hundred. It's gonna be a hundred. Like you received fifty dollars. Like how come that's not on your tax report? Where is your W two? You know where where's this income coming from? And I don't. I I think the only lane crypto has is privacy and autonomy and like peer to peer resolution. And that's why like even if you bend over backwards, it's never gonna be enough relative to what FedPay or UPI or these Indian systems do. And so to me, like you, you, you lose your value proposition if you do that. And I, I think this idea of mass adoption, I, I think crypto maybe will only be for like niche people who care about this kind of stuff. And, and maybe what, what I, I describe it as like reverse D-Day. Like we need to establish a beachhead or like a zombie apocalypse movie, like preserve some kind of free zone of operation so that when everyone has lost their freedom or whatever, there's one island left to go to. But I don't think most people will care about it until they've lost it. And until they've lost it and they realize, oh, this kind of sucked, right? That That's really my bullish case for crypto. And it's not bullish. It's like least bearish. <laughs> Brett, anything else before we, uh, any, any final reaction? No, I think he's he's hitting on the head. Um, I, I, I tried to, to, to map out in my head how they could or would attack this stuff, right? Because there is ways that they could they could go after that stuff, whether it's their own chain or a token on chain. Because like a lot of people were using USDC and these other stable coins now and forget that there's a lot of clawback features in that. Like they can straight up freeze those tokens in, in people's wallets. So like there is a 
you know, maybe it's being hopeful, there is a way where they can take this system and deploy it in a way that like it's still like ingrained in these various ecosystems, Cardano, VeChain, Ethereum, all these places. And it is their token that they do have control over, but it's still deployed in a decentralized manner. But then the other is like, we have the Fed chain, right? And like, if you want to pay your taxes, it has to come on Fed chain. And like, people are then forced to send their stuff to Fed chain and play inside their fence and like give total autonomy up to them. Um, and like- I, I know it's not yeah. true in Florida, but my understanding, if you, if you look up, what is the utility of the US dollar? It is the only currency you can pay your US taxes in. Like- part of the value of the dollar derives itself. Like even if you're being paid in like Swedish kroner or euros, yep. it doesn't matter what you're paid in or, or Bitcoin, whatever your income is in subcritical or, or J when it comes time to pay uncle Sam, uncle Sam will not non us dollar denominated. It's like, it's like ape coin society tokens, right? Like, no, if you want to play in this <laughs> ecosystem, you have to use our shit coin, right? So like, and <laughs> like, that's, that's where a lot of utility from the US dollar is, of course, it's backed by the full faith and whatever of the US government, yeah. everything, but utility wise, it's just a Ponzi and it's like, you got to pay your taxes with this. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. And, and this, uh, conversation, we hope to, you know, stay in touch with both these players and bring you guys back with like different, maybe even like, uh, sort of, uh, like when you eat a lemon and you get that reaction, we want to just get the right people in here. So that way we get enough acidity to get those reactions, but thank you, Brett and Madonna. We really, really, really appreciate you. So critical, any final finals here? Yeah, I think it's just great to hear from different builders from Jay and I, our perspective, content creator, trying to be users. So yeah, it was definitely cool, man. Well, that's pretty much it. And thank you guys so much for watching. And we have Brad and Monads, all their information in the description below. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thank you.